This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. And this week, we just released our latest clothing range. Um, it's our winter range, and the whole range is entirely plastic-free, and that's something that we've really focused on this time around. The flagship product is our overshirt, and what's special about this is that it weighs a whopping 300 GSM. Now, I know GSM means nothing to most people. It's grams per square meter, and your average shirt is about 160, so this is twice that. And all it means is just it's a really nice heavyweight. It's perfect for layering up in the cold winter months. It's made from 100% cotton. It's got real horn buttons, of course. One of the other products we've got is our knitter hooded sweater. It's a really nice 100% cotton knitted sweatshirt. It's got rolled hems. It's got a cross hood. Um, and it's it's a really rustic looking, very kind of on-brand hoodie. And again, you know, the range carries on into some other items. We've got 100% merino wool beanies. Uh, we've got those in three colours. We've got rust, red, and black. And then we've got a range of t-shirts, as always. These are long sleeve baseball style t-shirts. Uh, we've got a beautiful burnt orange uh, and black with our logo on the front there, a grey and black. We've got a nice sort of toffee and coffee colour combination. And then we've got very typical baseball t-shirts with a, a red and white and then a burgundy and white so yeah just just pop over onto the website hornsvoning.com use the promo code horns10 and you're going to get 10% discount off anything store-wide that's the new range or anything that we already stock other than that so use the code horns10 and you're going to get 10% off right let's jump into the show Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, corner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everybody. This time we're joined by Dr. Jenny Butler, who is a folklorist and also a leading authority on uh, the academic study of contemporary paganism in an Irish context in Ireland. Um, Jenny is a lecturer at the Department of the Study of Religions at the University College Cork. So thank you very much for joining us, Jenny. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for taking time. I have to say you have my ultimate favorite accent of any human being. I, <laughs> I just especially I love this the Southern Irish accent. Um we had we had Ben Mudge on a few weeks ago, who's from Belfast, and I guess to most people maybe they won't hear the difference, um, but I, yeah. I I do particularly like the the Dublin kind of area. I'm from Dublin, but I I live in Cork, um, but I I am from Dublin, so you guessed that very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must just have an ear for the accent, I guess. <laughs> no, um. So we're here, I guess, mainly to to talk about your special speciality is on uh, paganism in in Ireland or Irish contemporary paganism. Um, I, so I guess I'd like to to start right off the bat with what modern paganism is, um, because I guess most people are. So then, I mean, we've been doing this the podcast for a while, and we've spoken about these topics quite often. So my opinions probably changed a little bit on it, or my, or my understanding of it. Well, every podcast could possibly be somebody's first podcast. Um, 
so because when you think of pagan, you automatically think of something quite old-fashioned. And I think in most senses, a lot of people think of something that's maybe even died out and doesn't, certainly if you don't exist in this circle, something that maybe has even died out. So I guess let's just start with what contemporary pagan paganism is. Sure. So contemporary paganism is this general um, category for lots of different um, types of religiosity. So uh, academics describe this type of religiosity as um, maybe magical religion or polytheistic religion, depending on, on the scholar. Uh, you know, some describe it as new age um, or as overlapping with that. There are some overlaps, but I, I would I would make a distinction between contemporary paganism and new age forms of religion. So it's like it's like a general um, term for uh, traditions or types or paths of, of paganism in the modern day, including uh, Druidry, Wicca, um, types of Nordic um, paganism, heathenism, and also neo-shamanism. So I try to avoid saying neo-paganism um, because this, is, this was introduced by academics um, to distinguish you know, ancient, ancient forms of religion from the, the modern day movement. But because some academics have used it in quite a pejorative way to kind of um, dismiss this modern movement, uh, I tend not to use it because of paganism, a lot, a lot of people don't like the term neo-pagan because they think it's academics trying to undermine them or suggest that this is not an authentic um, cultural or religious uh, thing or that it's not serious. So I, I try to use contemporary paganism uh, as the term. Um, so it's, uh, it's variously defined. Um, but as, as you mentioned, Dan, people associate the word pagan with something maybe old-fashioned or something from the past. And it is a re, it's a reconnection. It's modern people um, connecting spiritually with uh, ancient forms of religion, older forms of folk religion as well. So um, sometimes there were more recent things that people connect with, like customs and uh, uh, traditions from, you know, maybe... 18th, 19th, early 20th century. So lots of different things come in to, to practices. Mm -hmm. You said that there is, um, you, you, you make a distinction between new age and these contemporary pagan movements. What is the distinction? Like what, where, where do we find like the distinct differences, so to speak? Um, I would say that contemporary paganism is a nature-based form of religiosity. Uh, that um, you know directly connects with the the old gods or the so-called old religion of Europe, uh, where, which has some so-called new age characteristics. Um, so, for example, things like some types of healing methods. Um, pagans might might be uh, you know they might engage with things like crystal healing and things we might you know talk about energy energies um, and also be influenced by Eastern uh, religions and um, concepts from Hinduism and Buddhism uh, and so on. Um, and those things, they're, they're, you know, this influence of the, the East and on the West, uh, it, you know, there's problems with the, those term, terms are problematic, but um, that kind of influence is often described as new age 
Um, but the distinction I would make, uh, I think new age um, in, in a more kind of technical way of categorizing it is about the dawning of a new age, uh, you know, where consciousness on the planet will change. Um, and it's also quite influenced by Christian um, ideas. So that's the distinction I would make. Uh, contemporary paganism connects with the so-called old religion uh, of, of Europe, um, mm -hmm. mostly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and personally, as somebody who also researches this stuff, I would very much agree with you that that, that is definitely one of the main distinctions, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so, so I think I'm understanding <laughs> so, so so paganism would be a kind of a, i guess an umbrella term for a bunch of religions within it um because that's been one thing that's always kind of confused because you always hear these terms used like heathen also true pagan um but i've never i've kind of always just heard them but never truly understood the difference between between them all so that kind of now makes it clear as um a pagan now i guess um and, and an original sense hundreds of years ago a pagan i guess is it just would it, that have been anybody who doesn't follow one of the abrahamic like the main three religions would that be the, the correct kind of yeah well it's um the the original context in which the word pagan or pagani was used um is is said to be the the romans when they were describing people on the the hinterlands who uh, you know, took took longer to convert to Christianity. Who might have been following the old old ways. Um, that it, it had an association, almost like a country bump. This kind of a more a kind of dismissive um, term. And this so literally, pagani is country dweller. So the the modern movement. Um, it's it's a reclaiming of the word pagan or pagani as country dwellers. So the literal literal meaning of the word, uh, you know, that it's a uh, to do with the, the the spiritual connection to nature or veneration um, of uh, nature itself or deities, whatever whatever way that's interpreted. Um, so there's different words that are reclaimed within within paganism. Yeah. So I guess originally it would have been quite a negative term. Yeah. Um, and then it took on, uh, as you mentioned, like uh, this idea that somebody who's pagan is not part of the one of the Abrahamic faiths. So um, this is also it took on this connotation. Um, and of course, if, if someone is, is a practitioner following the old gods, they're not um, following a monotheistic tradition. So mm -hmm. um, in Ireland, historically and still today, you get this meaning of pagan as somebody who has uh, no religion or who who is antagonistic to, to Christianity and um, so you know Catholic clergy for example um, used these terms pagan and heathen um, synonymously to mean someone who um, who was you know maybe uh, an atheist or wasn't going to mass um, or whatever uh, so yeah it has that association. Then of course we also have the internal demonizations of different uh, versions of Christianity or between Christians and Muslims too, right? And, you know, uh, calling each other pagan for different reasons and, and all that stuff too. But, um, in, um, in, uh, 
I don't know if this is this also occurs. I, I believe it probably does uh, outside of Scandinavia, but in Scandinavia, we also have like a tendency to uh, use the term around people who are uh, gluttonous. That was especially a thing like in the 19th century and early 20th century. And I think there's even like a Swedish Swedish phrase that, it, that translates roughly to something like eat yourself into a pagan. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so... So that's like, and that's of course something that has specifically something to do with like Protestant Lutheran uh, morals, right? And, you know, don't don't eat, and don't overeat, and uh, usurp uh, resources and that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's kind of funny yeah, that's, that it's <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the kind of the 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 Christian, as you said, more Protestant kind of rigid, uh, clean living values, or this kind of, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you you get kind of um, um, I've seen it in 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 comedy, uh, for example, Billy Billy Connolly, the the, the Scottish um, comedian. Uh, he he used you know he was describing the Irish, uh, and he was saying you know um, there's a, there's something wrong with them and with us and uh, that there there's a, still a pagan thing there. It's like this kind of um, waywardness or you know this kind of lack of control. So I think that that's yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> cultural thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because it, in in so many ways, this has also just become to mean uh, uncivilized, right? And this is yeah. why it's you know applied to certain population groups that you feel like you can't control from some other perspective, right? Or you know, uh, indigenous peoples as well, and 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 yeah, all and of those things. Of course, you have the the Christian um, missions and the whole civilizing process. Uh, as it was called, you know, this goes hand in hand, um, that they, they they viewed themselves, Christian missionaries, uh, as civilizing people who were, uh, you know, indigenous peoples or people they view as somehow um, backward or ignorant. So, yeah, this is. Um, it just seems like a, a negative term. So, so Jenny, is there, because I guess Ireland Oh, certainly I know Ireland has been quite a religious country, certainly a very kind of Catholic country. So I, I guess I never really thought of it being big for, for paganism. Is there one that kind of stands out amongst the other kind of pagan religions as, as in popularity? And also, have you seen a big rise over recent years in paganism in Ireland? Um, so your first question, is there one kind of paganism? Um it's uh, I don't do quantitative re research. Okay. So I, I do ethnographic research where I interview people like conversational style um, and I analyze the interviews and I take part in rituals and festivals and so on. So um, I, I never know uh, how many how many pagans there are. Um, and we don't know from from the census data or anything in, in the Irish uh, context, but um, in terms of the, the types, the it seems just, you know, I can only kind of make observations, but it seems like there's as many Wiccans and witches are, as there are Druids, but people might associate um, Druidry more with, with Ireland um, and, you know, with, with Britain and Ireland, uh, more even though Wicca originated in, in England. So people have um, Celticized Wicca you know, they have, okay. uh, there is a, a, a form of Wicca known as Celtic mm. Wicca, um, 
And so if, you know, with claims to indigeneity, um, people sometimes look to Druids or, you know, the, the, what, what we can know about the religion of the Celts, uh, which isn't very much at all. <laughs> Could I could I ask you to just give a brief rundown? Like, what is the difference between like druidry and Wicca, and also perhaps witches in in all of that? I think a lot of people tend to assume that Wicca and witches are just the same, or, or at least very closely associated. So, I, I would love to hear sort of a, a little little explanation for for the differences. Okay, so dru druids and um, druidry or druidism is uh, one form of, of paganism. Um, so pagans often talk about paths, like for the, the type of, of pagan paganism. And uh, druidry uh, is a globalized form, form of paganism, but um, druids are in, in Britain and, and Ireland, um, they're associated with the Celts, they're described as the, the priests of the Celts. And, you know, with academia, there's, debate about whether the Druids existed um, or whether they uh, were, um, you know, whether the things said about them are, are true because it, it can't really be, be proven um, because the Celtic peoples uh, didn't keep any oral uh, or they didn't keep any written uh, text. Um, so we're told that they followed an oral tradition and that this was part of, of Druidry, you know, a secret kind of secret knowledge or esoteric kind of um, training that they did, um, but nobody knows um, why there, there's no uh, extant or existing texts. Um, so the things that are written about Druids are from, um, you know, uh, Pl Pliny or um, from Greeks and, and uh, their biased sources, um, so, and, and very few sources. Uh, so the, um, the, the Druids historically, as well as the Celts, you know, images or ideas about the Celts have been very romanticized um, through different uh, British um, and Irish revival, artistic revivals. So in Ireland, we had the, um, the Irish literary revival. Uh, so um, they kind of romanticized the, the Celts and the landscape of, of Ireland. And so uh, modern Druidry as a practice um, would, uh, would draw on sp spiritual ideas uh, about the, the Druids and the Celts more, more broadly. Um, but it, in, in, in the practice of it, at least in the Irish context, it's very similar to Wicca um, with the actual rituals people do and the festivals that are celebrated. Uh, so, um, you know, the, the wheel of the year the, the eight festivals are, are observed by most uh, Wiccans and Druids. And with um, this other reclaimed word, witch, people self-identifying as, as witches in different uh, religious contexts, there's many different um, kinds of, of modern day witchcraft. And in paganism, there's, there, well, there's a phrase, you know, not all witches are pagan and not all pagans are witches. So there's many, many tradi traditions that are um, separate from paganism, like Luciferian witchcraft, um, so the satanic witchcraft, like with the Church of Satan and, and so on. Um, mm. And then um, there's, uh, within paganism, there's 
Uh, Wicca is probably the most well-known form of modern witchcraft. And then you also have like, um, like uh, it gets complicated with the, the names, but you have traditional witchcraft or it might be just known as the craft. So in the Irish context, this would be things like um, uh, traditional charms and cures, um, maybe healing traditions to do with the, the fairy or the other world, um, things that are found in historical, uh, historical traditions. Uh, and things that have continued into the modern day that might be classed as folklore, you know, this kind of um, this kind of area. And then there's uh, I'm just mentioning the, the problem around the uh, the categorizations, because in America, for example, British traditional witchcraft means Wicca. Um, so it, it gets a bit confusing. There's also what people call hereditary witchcraft um, that they claim has been fast, passed down through family lines. Um, which would also have a lot of overlap between um, the, the traditional uh, witchcraft that I mentioned. Uh, but these people might identify as pagan. Uh, then Wicca was founded as, as a religion by Gerald Gardner uh, in England in um, the 1940s. And then in the 50s, in 1951, when the Witchcraft Act uh, was repealed in England and Gerald Gardner went on TV and, you know, it grew. Um, uh, especially in the 60s, you know, and then spread to America and uh, in, in particular and around the world. So Wicca is now a, a global uh, religion. Um, and uh, as, as Professor Ronald Hutton said, it's, um, uh, you can look at it as, as uh, the, the religion that England gave the world. And um, we have, uh, as I mentioned, different forms of, of, of Wicca. And Wicca came to Ireland, as far as we know, uh, in the 1970s, when the first Wiccan covens uh, were formed uh, from people who'd moved from England to, to Ireland. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a Wicca as a, as, as a religion, right? It's a, it has its own theology that is, uh, you know, in so many senses, been, been, been born out of uh, um, Gerald Gardner's worldview, so to speak, right? But that, yeah, that's a that's a major difference, I'd say. It's really interesting to see also that nowadays you have Christian witches, um, just like you have Christian neo pagans, or not not neo pagans, sorry, new, new ages, right? Like people who who who's whose framing of Christianity is is new age um, in in one way or other, right? Um, yeah, there's also Christian druids um, because. Mm -hmm you know historic, they'll say uh, that what what they're connecting with is like celtic christianity or the, the early um conversion you know fifth century onward in in ireland so the, you know this that self-identification as well or christo pagans who can emerge things um together but mm. in, in <laughs> ireland sounds, that sounds so insane to me it's like uh, what how can no i mean i can't I, I it makes a lot of sense. I, I guess, think it makes a lot of sense. I guess what you're saying <laughs> is that it's that they they believe in a version that's older, um, or try to, or simply if you have if you have a polytheistic worldview, right? If your if your idea is that there are many gods out there and they're all legitimate, right? Um, then then you can easily include Jesus, for instance, into into that pantheon. Yeah, but then I at mean, what point does he just stop being Christian and just becomes just being a pagan? 
well, like probably stop being Christian already when you had a bunch of other gods. I that's what I mean. So, 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 how can you be Christian, Druid, or Christ, like Christian and uh, some other pagan religion in one? Like, where's where that thing. line? Religion is a living thing, right? It, it it's constantly changing and evolving with with every generation. So, hey, man, Christianity will probably look very different in uh, five hundred years from from what it is now. So, I, I should say I don't I don't include people who identify as Christo pagans in in my research, um, uh, or you know this Christian druids. But I am I am guessing what they're doing is taking elements of magical practice. And incorporating that into a Christian cosmology, but in Ireland, um, being a you know the the hegemonic or the dominant religion is is uh, Roman Catholicism, and if uh, if somebody practices magic, this is according to Catholicism, this is heresy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's blasphemy. Um, so it's uh, would automatically excommunicate you if if you. Um, if you were to proclaim this, I suppose, you know, so you couldn't be, at least in terms of theology, you couldn't be Catholic and practice witchcraft or self-identify as a witch um, in, a, in a strict sense. So I did not, ex- I, I did not expect this to be so complicated. <laughs> I mean, I know things are complicated. Everything <laughs> on this podcast is complicated, but I just did not expect this. Which is brilliant because when I I love when something happens that I just don't expect. Well, it, it is very complicated, Dan, because um, yeah, I also research folk religion or, or popular religion, and in the Irish context, this is it's popular Catholicism because it's the the way the way things developed in Ireland. Christianity absorbed these so-called pagan elements, and it continued, you know, in things like. Um, pilgrimage tradition uh, there are a lot of uh, rituals and uh, you know and um, things that people do that likely are not christian that have an older origin um, and uh, but people the people practicing that generally would regard themselves as catholic um, and so modern pagans they often take those aspects so for example circling circumambulating a holy well um, this is, is a ritual action that's found in ancient Ireland, uh, in ancient, well, it likely, you know, likely goes back prior to Christianity, because according to Celtic scholars like Pruntius Meccana, um, the, in ancient India, India uh, there, there's also this ritual gesture of uh, ritual action of, of a sacred stone or a well um, going around it clockwise. So these, these things um, probably, you know, <laughs> absorbed into Christianity. So it is very complicated. Um, you know, uh, it's a fluid, fluid thing. Um, I, was, I was just curious, does, does the Catholic Church not allow for any kind of magic? Because, I mean, uh, it's been a, a like discussion in Christianity over its 2,000-year-old year existence, right? Uh, what kind of witchcraft or magic is permissible or possible and and all that stuff and i mean there there was once when you know there there was at least the acceptance of divination for instance and and is is that 
completely out of the picture nowadays in 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 uh, I guess what we could call proper Catholic uh, theology. Um, well, I don't know what the the Catholic Church's official stance would be, um, but I know that uh, in in Ireland, individual clerics like local priests, for example, have taken issue with um, uh, Reiki uh, because it, the it, the energy healing and um, you know things that we might uh, not that might not be so so threatening as somebody uh, identifying as a witch um but i think it's it's um i'm thinking more of uh in in this example i'm thinking more of like local local priests rather than you know official kind of top down okay. uh, views mm -hmm. no no that's yeah i mean we see it over here too i've seen some uh, instances of both catholic and evangelical and you know, other denominations uh priests belonging to these denominations like um is saying that yoga is uh blasphemy or or unchristian and stuff like that so yeah it, it, it it's still happening and it's happening on on, on local uh, terms in different ways in um personally being danish what 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 i'm used to is that the the the, the church in denmark just like you know incorporates all of these things like you can find you know uh, i'm pretty sure that there's a, like a, a you know lutheran uh, priest in denmark or two who definitely also do reiki healing or something like that like it's an entirely different attitude that you see in the danish national church nowadays with like they just incorporate anything it seems like so so that's uh, that's really fascinating <laughs> when when i was doing research and i did a, a small small scale research ethnographic uh, project in iceland on um huldefolk and elves uh, as a comparative um, uh, project to, to my research in Ireland on uh, on the she or fairies um, and uh, I met you're wondering why I'm mentioning this um, Matthias but uh, there's a legend that people told me in Iceland that the the elves um, that you know Iceland used to be Catholic and that the the elves remained Catholic and that they have their own churches, while the rest of the, the, the human population converted to Lutheranism. And um, so I thought that was quite interesting that the, the elves have a different religion or that they have a religion at all, you know, that there are these elf churches. Um, so this this is, I haven't come across this uh, in relation to fairies in, in Ireland, that they have churches or... Um, I mean, if I, if I was going to go to church, I'd want it to be an elf church. No, you don't, man. If you if you hear those folk tales, you're you're in grave danger if you find yourself in an elf church. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all cute with pointy ears. <laughs> yeah, they will try to kill you though. That's always what happens in those stories. <laughs> I mean, I'll just flick them away. I feel. And <laughs> um, one question I have, and this, I might be ridiculous but at what point does paganism become so synonymous with the pentagram because every book i ever see that just is like pagan or witch it's always the pentagram it's like it's just one and the same and i can't imagine it it has that much standing i guess i think it's become the dominant symbol in in a, in a way like the cross 
is for for Christians. You know, um, in many pagans wear the pentagram as a as a necklace or a ring, um, and it, it depends. Like the kinds of, of paganism I research would be like druidry with, uh, with other forms of witchcraft. So you know, just there are other other uh, kinds. Um, just to to say that you know the pentagram might not be um, important to to those other uh, types that I don't research but uh, for the ones I do most people would um, recognize it as, as a, a significant symbol so it has many meanings in in the occult um, western esotericism it, in different magical traditions so for pagans um, some of the main meanings and um, the the five-pointed star so I think it's a pentagram if it's etched uh, on something and then a pentacle if it's uh, just the shape um you know okay. in a necklace or something but uh, it's uh the, the the it's earth air fire and water the the four points and then ether is the fifth point uh which is the like spirit that in, encapsulates all of those elements of existence so it, it connects to ancient uh philosophy so the you know these things that compose the universe and the these earth, air, the earth, air, fire, and water have um, many different magical correspondences, and uh, also the compass directions. Um, you know, uh, there there are parallels uh, with that. So when casting well, a circle, um, sorry, just just, uh, yeah. just before I forget, but isn't there only four earth, fire, wind, and water, and only four sides to the compass? So why would they yeah. be with the pentagram which is five because the fifth point is ether um okay or you know what people might call it uh like the akashic um level or uh the um the spiritual energy whatever is is there that okay that's the metaphysical side of existence yeah that's what yeah yeah um one question is, is that alistair crowley who popularizes the the pentagram originally I think it's uh, it comes from magical texts. Uh, um, it's just I'm, I'm not I, sure, actually. I. No, uh, this is really interesting because I don't remember having seen it in in any of the. Of course, I deal with the Scandinavian area, and any of the the Galtrabeki from Iceland, for instance. I, I I don't recall that it's particularly prevalent, if if at all, even really written down there. And that's based off of Solomonic magic. So I was thinking, you know, I, my my assumption would be that oh, it's, it's probably in the Lemigaton or something like that. Or, um, but um, but but I can't really remember. It, it's probably there, of course. It's got to be there. I can't really remember that that I I have really seen it uh, that often until Crowley shows up. So so I was wondering if if he was sort of like responsible for you know, making it, it it popular. And that's how it sort of like comes into contemporary culture through through a, um, a remarkable individual like him. <laughs> um, yeah, possibly. I mean, it's it's in um, di many different magical systems. Um, and yeah, I, I wrote something on it a long time ago um, or I answered a question where I looked, I looked up um, the history of it, but I can't remember now. 
um, I was saying earlier, my my memory is not great. <laughs> so, uh, but in 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 the practice of, of uh, magic in, in paganism, it can mean uh, different different things. It can also be the like a person standing with their arms outstretched and legs outstretched. The the shape, like it can represent that. Or um, there are some references to the shape of like or the path of Venus in the sky. But I think this is coming from dan brown's uh I, I think that's the problem you yeah. get so much yeah it gets, so many i guess so many influences yeah especially when it's picked up by the occult it just gets spread i and, and the sad thing is i think a lot of people that aren't in in this world kind of just the the norm is out there um the that don't take a particular interest in in the, this world when they see the the pentagram i think a lot of them see like a satanic symbol um, just off the bat and see something negative and if they see it it's kind of like oh somebody's been doing something nefarious here um yeah it's horror films have used this you know um absolutely and it is used as a satanic symbol as well uh you know the church of satan have it with baphomet in the the center um uh the, the satanic temple i think use it as well so mm. it is also a satanic symbol. It's uh, many different occult uh, meanings, um, some of which over, overlap. But I think equally, things like the satanic temple aren't necessarily what people think they are. They hear the, the, the term satanic in anything and automatically it's that it's a satanic panic of just, oh, but they, they, it's not. I, I actually kind of, ask anyone to 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 research what like satanism actually is and particularly like the satanic temple um and look into it before making any kind of judgment on on it there's a there's a, a beautiful documentary called the it's hail satan um and i think it was on netflix uh but it, it's out there somewhere and they go into what the satanic temple do and basically they just stand for i think it's it's the christianity shouldn't be in certain buildings in america is the main point that if you have the tank if you have the Ten Commandments up in a in a government building, then you should also be able to have Baphomet there. The, the, you sh it shouldn't be religious based, and that's one of their main the main standing points. They're for equality, um, and they're against you know child abuse, um, beating children in in school in Christian schools uh, specifically. So any type of corporal um, punishment, and they support LGBTQ. Um, you know, so yeah, as you said, Dan, it's it's not what people react to the word Satan. And I find that uh, with what I research, people react to the word witch. So yeah. when I'm explaining my research, especially, I don't mean to be ageist, but especially to the older generation, I'll start off with Druidry because they understand like that there's kind of the image of the Druid is more like a wizard or something benevolent. I wonder part of it almost sadly comes down to it being a druid you kind of see a wise man but a witch you see a, a haggard old lady with a crooked nose and I just want to be a little bit crazy. We've had 500 years of cultivating um, the, the the myth of the pact with Satan and the Sabbath and all of that stuff. I mean all of, all of that stuff comes from uh you know late medieval france and then southwestern germany right uh, and then gets synthesized in the maleus maleficarum as a as a book on scary witches out there and then you know for the next hundred years 
150 years approximately, depending on where we are, right? We have these, these different witch processes that we often refer to as witch crazes. And they all revolve around the learned population in an area having adopted these ideas about um, you know, an alternative society of, of primarily females, mostly, except for, you know, Finland and Iceland, where we have, you know, curious, uh, different perspective on that. But, but most, of, most places in Europe and also in the uh, locations in America where, where this takes place, like Salem, for instance, it's usually attached to women as the alternative society that is then, you know, governed by this goat man um and that's all subversive and supposed to take down good christian society that's a myth that has existed ever since pops up again and again in in uh, western history and the most latest uh, version of it was the satanic pain that had real dire consequences for people who went to jail accused of crimes that they never did and and such things um, because they, you know, were into heavy metal and and, yeah. and draw drew pentagrams on on stuff in the eighties, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's a that's a real real part of our very recent history. It's so bizarre. No, it's yeah. the The whole satanic panic thing is is absolutely insane. Yeah, and some like in my my research, I I interview people. This satanic panic spread from America to um, the UK, particularly mm-hmm. England, and a school teacher in England lost his job for being pagan. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he, he was fired. It was just like, oh, as soon as pe- they heard witch. Um, so like people, that some of the people I've interviewed would be old enough to remember that time, you know, when it, it wasn't safe to say that you're, you're pagan. And then like, it was also um, accusations of, uh, you know, this that there were cults, so many of the people that I've interviewed talked about, you know, when they founded their coven, um, particularly witchcraft, uh, more than druidry, when they they uh, formed a coven, they, w- they were very conscious of this, you know, that um, everyone should be over 18. And if someone contacted them, they were kind of, they would dissuade them. And because of this fear of being uh, accused of, of being a cult or, um, you know, just the kind of general society so um you asked me earlier dan and i didn't answer it about the uh so i went off on a tangent about the kind of the the growth of of paganism um and i found that since i i started my research in 2002 i started doing field work and since then uh in in ireland but i think other places as well the profile of paganism is is much higher you know people generally know what paganism is now um and uh in in ireland that's partly because we had um a situation with the uh, one of our ancient uh sites the hill of tara in county meads there was um a plan for a motorway uh, that um uh potentially would, would damage this site and go uh, quite um close to it and pagans led protests um you know at the start and did direct action on the site um and then there were also other many other protests as well um but this people heard from the media what pagans what paganism is you know that it's it's a it's a, it's a religion uh, in the modern day and what pagans do mm-hmm. um so even though some of the the media um portrayals were, were quite um 
mocking um, some of the journalists we have in, in Ireland uh, like to to um, make fun of what they don't understand. But um, that's, that's, even, that's even so, anyway. yeah, but even so, you know, people heard something about pagans and um, that pagans were protesting about this this site that they regard as a sacred site. Um, so uh, even I've just anecdotally from from talking to people, even um, religious witchcraft people seem more aware that there there is a there are people who who practice witchcraft and it's not uh evil or scary um you know uh so i think that's that's also changing i think it's a little bit of a mixed bag over here and depending on where you are in the u.s i mean it's also a pretty big country so um but but mostly i think it's it's the similar thing people generally know what it is that is not, you know, scary or problematic or, you know, weird baby sacrificing satanic cults like they thought back in the 80s. There's still some people out there who probably think that. Um, oh, I, I know, Matthias, because I have a YouTube channel and I get um, death threats sometimes from uh, evangelical Christians. So. Oh, great. Oh, shout, wow. Oh, shout the YouTube channel. What's, what's the YouTube channel called? Um, it's just my, if you search my name, uh, just, I think I just have a Jenny Butler. Um, yeah, go go subscribe to that. Yeah, go subscribe and, and tell those evangelicals to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's there's crazy people all over the world in, yeah. in everything. It's it's insane. And I mean, you said earlier about somebody losing their job because they're pagan, which is is absolutely insane. And you just could not imagine that now. Even in my in my lifetime, I can feel there there is a difference in opinion around this this kind of stuff but i still think that whilst whilst maybe you wouldn't be attacked for being pagan or there's some people maybe some people would still kind of sneer or kind of look at certainly i think the word witch i still i think people would still maybe struggle understanding or accepting to that certainly people who don't or aren't kind of again in this in this world um they would kind of hear witch and think, oh, what's, what's that? You think you can do magic? Um, and but I think it more like, gravitates to, like, don't take them seriously, then, you know, yeah. these people are evil, right? So that's a big difference. It's more kind of like a laughable thing rather than mm -hmm. a, and I'm going to attack because it's dangerous. But it's still, it still should just be, I mean, people can do what the fuck they want with what any way, who cares? Too many people care about what other people are doing. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, it's a, it's so I want to like just to connect this to how how things have developed in Denmark with, with all of this stuff because this is really uh, kind of fascinating. Uh, like in Denmark nowadays, uh, there's you know one of the uh, sort of like a, a media personality is is like a well known also true or pagan or neo-pagan whatever word we use here um who's like involved in doing exhibits at the national museum and now he's like working on another museum and you can you know there's a lot of things you could perhaps say about the fact that this you know uh lay person who does not have a degree in anything is involved but uh but i think uh, it speaks to how accepting that society has come of these things you know it, it, it's very much at the inner circle of 
you know, cultural institutions and, and politics even to, to, to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking um, when you said about the museum a few years ago uh, in Ireland, you, the Irish Museum of Modern Art had an exhibition called As Above, So Below, where they displayed uh, Kenneth Anger's um, uh, some stills from his films, but also uh, practitioners of Wicca, some Athames and different objects um, used for, for divination and magical practice. So, you know, just the recognition in, in that kind of cultural setting, um, you know, that's, uh, as you said, it's also a political um, change to, mm -hmm. to be able to, to uh, curate that kind of exhibition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the same thing we see it in Iceland too, you know, Iceland, the Alcator, I feel like it's, it's very like involved with, uh, you know, the cultural elite in different ways. I think, I mean, Hilmar and Hilmarsson, who is the Alsher um, um, he he's a well-known musician. And if I remember correctly, he even did stuff with Björk back in the uh, 90s, early 90s, late 80s or something like that. So like that, you know, also speaks to, you know, a lot of recognition in a, in a place like that. I don't know what the status is in, in like Norway and in Sweden for that matter, though. Um, might look a little different over there. No matter what you think, it's just a fun topic. It's I, I think like, especially the occult things are so interesting. Um, I just want to point out, Fred, Frederick just had a good point in the, in the chat. And we need to stop mentioning Frederick because people are going to think that He's our only <laughs> listener that, that sits in because we just mention him like every week. You always say it's just Frederick sat in the chat on his <laughs> on his own every week, just just shouting stuff at us. Um, but anybody, if you do want to join into the live chat, just if you go over to our Patreon, Patreon Falsehoods and Audio Mythology podcast, you can join the the live chat every week and and shout at us along with with Frederick. Um, but what he what he said was, you know how how people are so accepting of kind of the Abrahamic religions. You know, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, and and they're very much accepted as whether you believe in them or not, they're accepted as being there, and it's and it's understood that people believe in them. And you kind of go, okay, you believe in them or you don't. But then for some reason, some people have this kind of weird idea of suddenly when you introduce pagan and this idea of other gods, that's now ridiculous. When in the reality, it's no, it's not different. You're just adding other gods into it rather than saying one god created the world in seven days or whatever else that you're now just putting in a different context with other gods but for some reason that leap to some people it's like oh well i can understand that that people believe in this but that is just fucking insane and that's quite a an odd balance i never thought of it like that 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 you can kind of some certainly some people will go oh that's acceptable but Two gods? No, fuck off. It's like, Three, well, four, five, yeah. seven hundred. Oh shit. No, you can't do that. Man. Yeah, it's like this, 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 this <laughs> weird except point. of course if you're in India, then then it's you know typically also from the Western perspective, it's acceptable in India. <laughs> but don't bring it here because that's weird. I don't know. I don't know how this works for people, but <laughs> well, I mean, people who take the Bible literally, um, you know, God says in the Bible, thou shalt have no other god before me but if there are no other gods then it wouldn't you know why oh, why would that be there <laughs> that's it ooh, ooh, the, the contradictions <laughs> of the bible one might say <laughs> on that note jenny i i have to ask you um 
about St. Patrick, because that's one thing I see every year um, when St. Patrick Day is coming around. I always see a bunch of memes about him kicking the snakes out of, of Ireland and those those snakes meaning the pagans. Um, and is, is it an idea of Christianity coming to Ireland and the slaughter of pagans? Am I right in, in that? Uh, well, the it seems to be that the legend represents Christianity um, overcoming paganism. And you can understand these stories in different ways, but St. Patrick is often in stories as Christianity itself, um, you know, and then in later times, there are, are legends where it's a priest or a bishop is representing Christianity in the story. So it seems to be um, that that's, that's at least one of the, the ways we can um, understand uh, these, these tales. But yeah, the, uh, the legend of the, the serpents, um, I think was attached to St. Patrick. Um, so these are, you know, retrospective kind of um, coded ways of talking about, um, or likely code, you know, ways of talking about the, the Christianization of the country. Mm -hmm. And often serpents, well, serpents have many esoteric um, meanings. So they shed their skin so they can represent you know, kind of renewal or spiritual transformation. And then you have the Ouroboros, the serpent eating its own tail, this circle, um, which is sometimes a snake, sometimes a dragon. And in medieval times, then you have like uh, giant worms, serpents, um, dragons. These are these become synonymous. And it's often what the saint, you know, fights or defeats and represents something, some mm -hmm. ill of, of in society so you know saint george and the dragon you have these um lots of different stories like that so the serpent of course in in um the, the biblical story uh comes to represent something very bad um and uh something sneaky or misleading uh so um there's possible influences coming from ancient ancient religions like you have the sumerian um uh, Enki, uh, who, who is associated with the serpent symbol, and you have the Quetzalcoatl in, in South America, the, the plumed serpent, the feathered serpent god. So it may be that, you know, the, these influences on uh, the symbol of the serpent uh, then um, come to represent paganism or the, the old religions themselves. Um, so poor snakes. Play. <laughs> they, they've just got a bad rap. Um, yeah, they do do get a bad rap. And when you look at um, different ancient culture and uh, around the world, the serpent or snakes often have to do with healing, um, either in a symbolic way or uh, snake charming or, you know, um, this is even the, sim the symbol of the caduceus, the entwined serpents. This is still on, on pharmacies in most countries. Uh, sometimes they even still have the snake heads. Um, so this still represents healing. Uh, it's just a, uh, maybe a thwarting of, of that, that meaning uh, to, make, to make it something quite negative. I wonder why, why is that? Why, why do we get it as a healing thing, but also then a, an evil negative thing as well? Uh, well, nobody knows, but possibly the so-called pagan cultures 
that uh, were powerful and strong. Um, if this symbol, uh, you know, symbols like you, you also have the, uh, well, I'll come back to that because it's confusing, but um, symbols of power possibly were, were manipulated into something um, to mean the opposite. Um, like you can see it in politics today or bullying of somebody. Often it's the perpetrator of something that will accuse uh, someone of doing what what they're doing. So um, symbols can sometimes be made into the opposite meaning. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you are. Well, you, you, are. you are. I mean, it was, so, well, of course, the, um, um, uh, the Asclepius uh, rod, right, with the, with the, the serpents around it that's an old greek symbol um that was you know attached to healing which it still is um and that's of course also because greek literature and greek learning greek philosophy and all these things had this important special status in christianity too a lot of it got to live on because the christians were like well, yeah, sure. These guys were pagan, but they figured stuff out. So uh, let's let's not just <laughs> throw the baby out with the bathwater. There were some like Tertullian and, and such who wanted to get rid of it, but uh, thankfully they stopped that. <laughs> um, so so that's one of the reasons that that, that, that there's a, still a pagan legacy in in uh, in all of Europe, right? Some of some, some of that literature was preserved by Christians, right? Uh, that's I. One of the things I think uh, contemporary pagans might forget once in a while. Um, and then you have, of course, also the Christianized stories around snakes and dragons, right? Where, the, where it represents some kind of evil. It, um, it sometimes, you know, reflects directly the, the, the evil of hell and and so on a very common folktale in scandinavia is the the story about the dragon that comes and lies around a church and then you have to foster a bull to uh, to fight it uh so that people can get back into the church right and this is again like it's you know a story about good and evil and and, and all that stuff this it's a very very common uh story and of course i think mostly it's saint george and the dragon uh, or Saint Michael and the dragon—that's uh, that's in people's uh, minds here when when these stories are being uh, retold. Circling back to this subject of like, uh, thanks to the Christians, we have a lot of you know pagan stories still available to us. Um, Jenny, I wanted to ask you what what source material, historical source material, can an Irish pagan use? Um, like what what. What do we usually see contemporary Irish pagans use and, and, and how do they use it to sort of understand the, the, the history of paganism in Ireland? So um, you say thanks to the Christians and it is thanks to the Christians for, for writing this material down uh, in, in the Irish context and in other contexts. But of course, uh, on the other side of that, they, they destroyed these older cultures and religions. So nobody knows why, why they wrote um, this, this stuff down. Um, but the, the main source for uh, contemporary pagans is the, the early Irish literature. So we call this mythology. Um, this is, you know, by academics, it's, it's synonymously called the, the mythology or the early Irish literature. Um, and uh, you know, I often think the term mythology, if you go back far enough, it's religion, of course. So, um, 
but people often mean the written the written material as opposed to the oral material or folklore uh, when they say mythology they usually mean texts so we have these medieval this corpus or collection of medieval texts um so from you know there's fifth century uh um uh the, well there's a much later texts that refer back to saint patrick and um, for example and there's uh like literature that's supposed to have been saint patrick's own writings the confessio uh, which has a lot of pagan themes uh, like transforming into deer and things like that um but it's the uh 11th century i think uh, a lot of the names for gods and uh, stories about um, the other world, uh, Tirnano, the land of, of youth. Um, so the, the other world of Irish tradition is, is uh, mentioned. It's not described in that much detail. So names of gods and stories um, of, of heroes and uh, the she. So this word she or sheet, it might have been in, in old Irish um then is 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 uh, becomes synonymous with the word fairy um so um but this is this is uh, the main source and of course it was compiled by christians so it, it's um the the stories the information was modified um and um uh, it's hard to tell the extent that it's been it's been changed um because some, some of the stories have christian um, elements to them, or uh, it's likely that they, the, 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 these Christian scribes down, downplayed the power of deities and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, and it was also compiled, you know, hundreds of years after the pagan world was gone. So there's many gaps in, in knowledge. And uh, so this is, this is one source. And then there's Archaeology is also um, archaeological knowledge of of sites and um, the, you know Celtic practices. Even though there's very little known about the precise rituals, for example, um, uh, but there would be things like references to votive offerings in in rivers and um, uh, and sites which are. Um, like some of the sites I mentioned, the Hill of Tara, which is in County Meath. There's also Newgrange in County Meath and um, many sa sacred hills. Um, but the sites, like those ones I've just mentioned, and also megalithic monuments, these, these like stone circles, standing stones, these are pre-Celtic sites and nobody knows who built them or what exactly they mean. Um, so there's many different archaeological theories, uh, but it's very complex when it comes to identity and religious practices and the spiritual connection, because the, um, the, the especially the romantic, romanticization of the Celts has had a huge influence on contemporary, the, the development of contemporary paganism. And um, so, uh, you know, that's there, but also these pre-Celtic uh, sites and also the, the mythology refers to uh, pre-Celtic peoples, um, mythic, mythic people, so, um, yeah. Oh, you mentioned stone monoliths, um, and they fascinate me, because I, I think 
automatically some people when you, you think of pagan you think of kind of not, not certainly in like a, an old historical sense maybe uneducated you think of a lot of people kind of see Christianity as bringing like bringing the education um, and pagans as kind of these primitive more primitive people but some of the the, the monoliths like I do not know how they were created um, we we were in North Yorkshire and I cannot remember. I, I I took a picture of it. I know where it is if I look it up. But we were just driving back and came past a a church with a a giant stone obelisk in the in the in the ground, and it must have been uh, fifty foot tall. I don't know, maybe something like that. It was it was as high as like an average kind of house, um, and and so I saw it. From the car and said I wanted to pull over and go and have a look at it because it was that kind of our standards like what the fuck is that why is that there um and had like a little plaque saying the the drug drug the drag this thing um I think it was like 50 miles or something 40 miles from the from the sea from where the, the stone originated to there um and then erected it and and however far it was in the in the air it was maybe like another quarter underground obviously keep it upright and just just there's a picture of me stood next to it it's, it's how did anybody ever get that there without modern technology and it's the same things with like Stonehenge there's a bunch of them all over the place and they are just so fascinating and I know some people kind of go oh yeah well they just put logs underneath it and, and dragged it um but you want the magic damn it <laughs> yeah, but no but I, I like fair enough but even that's just a lot of effort. Like even like people say, oh yeah, you know, they you know they just put logs under it and, and dragged it. Like it's still not easy. Um, so there has to be some huge significant reason why they want to do that. Yeah, I mean, usually you know you you do you do those kinds of uh, huge gestures to the universe, so to speak, to uh, because because it, it is significant, right? There, there's there's some significance uh, to transporting a heavy object like that from from A to B, and then raise it over there, and that that in itself, you know, can be, you know, a ritual act. Um, the 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 labor that is put into all of that, that I'm sure that that also went into the uh, ideas of like building the pyramids, like you know using all of this labor because think about it we're talking about societies where um a lot of activity has to do with your primary need for sustenance right um so if you can allocate resources to such a major undertaking you're also demonstrating especially if you believe in gods right that you're blessed by these gods right because you have you have so much surplus that you can you know, allocate a bunch of uh, dudes uh, and dudettes, I'm sure, to 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 go over there and pick that stone up and then move it over here, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, like hear that? me out. Maybe lost civilization of aliens. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, haven't, I could be completely wrong on this, but I'm sure I read somewhere that haven't they just found a missing link in human history? Obviously, we have like Neanderthals, and 
there's one that was missing to complete the steps of evolution. And I'm sure it's just been found. But he kind of I, I did see something about a new new species that walks uh, yeah, strange. But I'm, but I'm sure it contradicts a lot of history and or at least our understanding of time of what we knew and when we think people knew it. Um which I think I think we've got it all kind of mixed up. I think it's very arrogant of us to think that we just know the times of everything and what people knew when they knew it. Um, we're always kind of learning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, one of our main problems with uh, with the the, the the history of evolution is that it's uh, you know it, it comes about in a time period where people then are like, well, let's use this for racism, and so you know we go down this rabbit hole of of you know thinking about hierarchies when it comes to, to uh, all kinds of species, but of course also applied to humans. So that's why, you know, there's, there's like this myth about Neanderthals being, you know, you know, these stupid brutes where, you know, the more that, you know, modern science investigates them, they find out that they were pretty sophisticated uh, um, uh, human beings really, right? Which, you know, also, I guess explains why why the you know everybody from the Eurasian uh, uh, continents uh, have have a dash of Neanderthal in them, right? That there's oh, a possibility I, of. That I stuff. have more than a dash of Neanderthal. <laughs> I think you do. Yes. Yeah. But so do so do the Scandinavians. So. There we go. <laughs> should we should we wrap the wrap this one up? Um, Jenny, you're, obviously you're still muted. I didn't know if you realised. I saw you coughing. You've ruined it now. I thought I got away muting myself while I coughed. Oh, I'm gonna but... I'm gonna out you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, no, we we you know we were going to talk about fairies and um, folklore, but I, to us, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I love these these conversations. They're just very kind of free flowing and you know they go wherever i feel like i've learned a lot as well so if you're if you're happy let let's book you to come back sometime in the, in the new year and let and then let's let's donate an episode to to fairies and um and the folklore side of things rather than just trying to cram it in now in in like a few sort of 10 minutes it doesn't do justice yeah i think there'll be more connections um directly with nordic Nordic mythology and culture with uh, with fairy. I mean, honestly, I, I I don't know why people have such a you know strong tendency to 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 make distinctions between what happens in the British Isles and what happens in Scandinavia. It's like it's a lot of overlap, people. A lot of overlap. And <laughs> um, there's Britain, and there's Ireland. I I I've stopped using the the term. British Isles, like people use it in Ireland and they say it's a geographical term, but it's not. Um, it's a colonial term. So uh, I'm not having a go at you, Matthias. I'm just no, get just in. <laughs> that's get that's in. a good point to make. That's a good point to make. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I think I think to anybody outside, so certainly I, I found listening to sort of podcasts and reading things that the, the in the US, they seem to really struggle understanding our very complicated geographical names for things. Because obviously we have Britain, 
is one thing, and then the UK is another thing. But Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, which is attached to Northern Ireland, is its own thing and isn't anything to do with the UK at all. Um, so it does get quite complicated. So I think a lot of people struggle. It's, it's, it's called the UK um, because it's the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So that's why it's the UK to encompass Northern Ireland. Yeah. yeah. But people, people say the UK when they mean Britain. So it's hard. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is complicated because it's, it's Great Britain doesn't include Northern Ireland. So Great Britain is England, Scotland, Wales um, and I know at some point it's all kind of got changed with people leaving and moving and, and whatever else but obviously you know Britain to clear hopefully clear this up for people out there who aren't from here Britain is England Scotland and Wales United Kingdom then brings in Northern Ireland I guess originally would have it included would it have included the whole of Ireland until the separation yeah, so Britain um, colonised Ireland and uh, would have called Ireland British. Um, but they until... wouldn't be the United Kingdom, right? Because that's, no, that's uh, after, yeah. Yeah, it's a political designation. Um, yes. Yeah. But yeah, you're totally right. It's not the British Isles. There's just one British Isle, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. No, that's it. So, so Ireland, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, is its own separate country uh, but i guess you, you you must get so many people that just automatically band it in with the uk yeah um often like people don't don't really they they don't think about it or um yeah so no. the safe the safest thing to say is the island of ireland, um, <laughs> yeah, island so of ireland. this won't this won't upset anyone <laughs> yeah they, that's it it is because i can i can fully understand why people in the republic of ireland would be like oh hang on a minute we're not part of that. We're our own country. We're part of the EU. You, you know, we, we, it's just a separate country. It's just a different. We didn't fuck up like the English and did it, the whole Brexit thing. <laughs> it is just a whole different country. So it's like it's almost like people have been. Oh yeah, Belgium's just French. That's that's pretty much one of the same thing. It's like oh, Belgium's just part of France. They're and just calling all Belgians French when that's just not what it is. But uh, yeah, we're, we're we're coming into the commemoration of the foundation of the Irish state and um, next next year so 1922 with Ireland as a nation state was, was founded well congratulations for that one <laughs> you escaped so so <laughs> the other <laughs> the others have been trying for so long to escape but I think England somehow just keeps clawing them in when we come back to talk about fairy lore um there's really interesting Parallels, but also regional differences. Um, like with England, uh, you have a lot shared between Scotland and Ireland with Gaelic, mm -hmm. uh, Gaelic culture, and what this has to do with like otherworldly. So I've, I'm I'm really interested in like the different influences on 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 England, uh, especially when it comes to things like otherworldly beings. So um, you know, there's of course much that's that's shared culturally when people move move around and we can also see that between Ireland and Iceland so hopefully we can have a chat about things like that oh we will oh yeah absolutely, absolutely. I've, and I've... also you know extended to mainland Scandinavia because there are 
fascinating uh, commonalities and also very great differences at the same time. It's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been a, a lot of fun. Jay, do you want to let people know where they can find you? I guess if they want to, I don't know how public you are with your, your work or on social media or anything like that. Um, and also where people can find your, your work. Yeah, so um, I have a website, uh, Dr. Jenny, it's like uh, Dr. Like Dr. Jenny Butler dot com, um, and uh, uh, on Twitter at Dr. Jenny Butler, and I'm on Instagram, uh, Spiraloid Girl, but there's some underscores. Um, but uh, I think I have everything on my linked to my website. I think, um, and uh, what else? Am I? I have a Facebook page. And that people can follow uh, if you just search for my name and paganism should come up. <laughs> we'll make we'll make Shannon earn his money and find all those links and put them in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like I sound like I'm very bitter about paying Shan, which I'm not. Shan does an amazing job. Um and he's not going anywhere if he ever even wants to. <laughs> he's stuck for life. <laughs> Oh, he's yeah, already. They're already, he's already in the chat. Yeah, yeah he's already go. found the website, and he's saying, "Bitch, please." So there you go. Oh, <laughs> sassy Shan. That was very fast, Shan. It was fast, and my YouTube channel's in there as well. So yeah, thanks. There we go. Yeah, uh, Mateus, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. There we go. Mateus, not over on well, Instagram. You, you should also, of course, go check out our Patreon for the podcast. Um, I'm trying to help Dan out here. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, if you get on the Patreon, you get access, special access to bonus episodes and a bunch of other fun things. We have uh, new plans in the works for the, the next year. Um, new, new great ideas. So uh, stay tuned for that stuff. Yeah, we're going to um, look at adding some new bonus stuff on the Patreon. And again, you get regardless of any tier that you join you get a bonus episode every week um so you obviously you get the the main show for free but you get an ex- if you if you want to hear more of us you get an extra show every week if you if you sign up to the patreon you get access to the live show you can watch the episodes live you get the video episodes before everybody else you get ad free episodes so you, there's a bunch of stuff on there you get and um, there's also some discounts off horns of odin as well so yeah, just go check it out. You can cancel it at any point if you if you want. You can literally, if you wanted, you could sign up for, for a month, listen to all the story time episodes, and then cancel it if you didn't like if you didn't enjoy it. Um so yeah, just just go and have a look. It, it's really worth it. And it helps us out, it helps us keep growing, and it helps us pay Shan. That's the main thing. It That's helps pay Shan. Because we would be fucked without him. As much as we say we would, because we do not know how to make this whole thing run without him. Yeah. And we also need somebody to, you know, take me down a notch once in a while. Yeah. Both of us. Um, Oh, yeah. So if you want to, and if you want to follow me, it's Daniel underscore Aaron one on Instagram. Obviously, Horns of Odin on Instagram. Um, Just Naughty Mythology Podcast across the board on Instagram, Facebook, website, and the youtube channel and that's it i think that's the that's the show did you remember to tell people to give us a five-star rating oh i didn't if you enjoy oh. the show leave us a five-star rating a positive review um preferably on itunes they like say it helps us bump up helps us i think we've got 290 something five-star reviews now which is nice yeah that's that's nice 
Like, it's a lot and of it's people. only it's only five stars or one star. So yeah, <laughs> we only tend to get five or ones, uh, and the ones always tend to be people complaining about sound issues in the early episodes, which is. I, I forgot to make some weird noises that could be edited out later. <laughs> oh, I, I know you muted yourself. We, we will add some, you know, <laughs> in the post. Oh, it's sorry. <laughs> Matthias's dog did it for everybody. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it was barking at this time. Oh, know. it's all right. Just needs, a, just needs a cuddle. She's had it in for the neighbors lately. Like the, 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 the neighbors up the hill is constantly staring at them and barking. And I never see them out there. So I don't know what's going on. But hey. You want to make sure you keep an eye on the on the neighbors then. Because dog, dogs dogs have a sense of these things. They they understand and they know. Could be could be aliens. Could or be the alien. new Pen- Pendle Hill. You don't know what's going on up there. That's no. it. Yeah, Pendle Hill is definitely an interesting one. Um, yeah, let's 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 wrap this up. Thank you very much, Jenny.